that uh, we've been walking through this series of expecting, and really this series has been a couple series wrapped together from uh, the Captivating series where we're in the Psalms looking at uh, the character of God. And this uh, series is really this idea that um, during this Christmas season, we're, we're expecting, we're, we're waiting, we're um, anticipating, we're excited about what's to come. And, and most of the Old Testament is building on that expectation, building on something coming. And um, so I talked last week about the puzzle pieces. Um, one of my Christmas traditions is putting puzzles together. Um, one puzzle per Christmas, um, from Christmas to New Year's. And, uh, you know, you do it piece by piece, start trying to march, uh, match up different sections. So you're building a whole picture of what that puzzle is going to be. And, and that's kind of, if, if you're looking at the Old Testament, again, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this series and the last series is we, we get, many of us get frustrated with the, the Older Testament part of the Bible, like the, the first few books. We're like, we don't understand it, we don't get it. And so we kind of put it in its little bucket someplace. We, we take it out and say, I don't want to deal with that, that's tough. Give me Jesus, and Jesus is great, and we want to we stay with Jesus. But the Old Testament is such a beautiful story leading into Jesus. If you, if you get the Old Testament... If you start to understand a little bit of the nuance of it and the beauty of it, all of a sudden the New Testament becomes all the more beautiful. It's the tapestry of all of Scripture tied together. Because what the Old Testament is doing, or I'm going to give you a 30-second, um, preacher's 30-second version of the Old Testament. You know what that means, right? It's not going to be 30 seconds. Um, you know, it, it's a picture of how God created the world in perfection in Eden, in this, this place called pleasure and, and delight is actually the term for Eden, delight. He's de- we're, we get to delight in, in our relationship with God and, and our work that he's given us to do. And so this, this beautiful picture of us in, in perfection. And then something happens that turns the whole world upside down, and the rest of the story of the Old Testament is how sin has destroyed this place of delight. And God gives different answers to it. He says, all right, I'm going I'm to give you some things that you probably will think will be answers, but God knows there won't work, but he does it anyway. He says, why don't we start over? It didn't work. Why don't I choose my, a nation that will be set apart, named Israel? It doesn't work. And so we see the storyline of sin kind of just like spiraling out of control, this rebellion against God. And what's interesting, this is definitely longer than a 30-second deal, but, but what's interesting about the nation of Israel is If anyone had a reason to trust and follow God, it was the nation of Israel. They were promised the promised land. God showed up in power in their life. Like they they saw the ten plagues. They saw the party of the Red Sea. They they walked around the the walls of Jericho and and it just collapsed. They they went into these these, um, battles, like outmanned, outgunned, out, out everything. And God just does it without them even showing up and doing anything. Like, if anyone had the reason to believe in God and to trust him, it was the nation of Israel, and yet they still rebelled. But there's a second storyline. There's that storyline in the Old Testament of, of our sin that's building. Israel is, is, is like, committing a, adultery. Or they're pursuing other idols and gods. And there's this other storyline. And the best way to—I'm not going to get the game—anybody you game people? Some of you are game people, right? And some of you, Dutch Blitz, anybody a Dutch Blitz fan? That's not the game I'm talking about, but I love that game. Um, Trivial Pursuit, some of you are more along that line. There's this one game, it's, it's a two-person game. 
And so you, you generally do this um, at a table or someplace where you can put it down. And you, you flip up, the, um, up, up all these different cards, all these different, and they all have a different face on it. You know what game I'm talking about? And so you pull a card out of the box, they pull out a card out of the box, you put the card down, and you start asking questions trying to figure out who they have. So do you know what game it is? Because I can't remember what the name is. Wow, you guys have played that one, all right. And so you, narrow, you try to narrow it down. Well, do they have red hair? You t- and they say no. Then you, you turn down everyone that has red hair. Do they have facial hair? Then you turn down everyone that has facial Until you get one. The, the idea is to get it down to one. And so billions of people on the planet, right? I mean, have lived and do live now. And God, throughout all of the Old Testament, says this one thing. This is the promise. Although sin is, is destroying the world, he says, I am going to send one. And he starts building this puzzle he starts narrowing it down on this guess who board of who that one was going to be. So that when he arrived, he would, what, what the phrase is, he would leave no doubt. He's putting this puzzle together. Saying, all right, the Messiah, the Savior, is going to look like this. And so we, we, starting in Genesis chapter 3, we see he's going to bring victory. Puzzle piece number one. Two weeks ago, uh, Pastor John says he through the Messiah, through this, this person that's coming, they'll be, all nations on earth will be blessed. All nations. Puzzle piece number two. You know, last week we talked about this, this coming, um, in Isaiah it talks about this coming king who the government will be on his shoulders and he will be the, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the everlasting father. You know, and, and, and peace is falling into place. And then, you know, obviously I don't have all the time to give you all the pieces, but we know from the Old Testament, they'll come in Bethlehem, major peace. That, by the way, in, in the board of guess who, that knocks down a whole lot of people, billions down. Uh, they'll be from the line of lineage of David, all right? All of a sudden, a whole lot more people are knocked down on that board. Like, who is the Messiah? Who is this, who is this person that's coming? And not only do we have all of those prophecies, all those predictions, by the way, by the way, I'm past my 30 seconds. This, this is the message now. Um, some of you are in here doubting whether those prophecies were, were written after Jesus or not. There's this thing called the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in the, the 1950s that are dated before the coming of Jesus. And so these prophecies of Isaiah, there are actual um, paper, actual th- that have been tested, that have been written before the time of David. before the time of Jesus came. These prophecies were well before. And we see these pictures coming into play. But where we're landing this morning, and I I think this morning what we're talking about is probably the major puzzle piece. It's the major, like, if if it's going to clear up the board clearly of who this Messiah is going to be. And it's going to be, by the way, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 53. Um, that's where we'll be sitting this morning. It, it's going to point to this. You, maybe I'll put it this way. This is, this is the majority of Israel, and this is as many of us. You ever look at something, be like, that is so good, but you don't know the whole story? Um, you know, how many, of, I'll ask you this question, all right? How many of you have been married for 50 years in here? 50 years or more to the same person? I'll put it that way. There's a few of them. And you ever look at those people and like, man, they must have just found the right person. They, they, they just got lucky. They, they hit the lottery. They just kind of drifted into this. You, 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 50 years, you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. But you ever, 
if you really talked to those people, those couples, you'd probably get the sense that there were some rough spots along the way. That 50 years later, oh, they look so happy. They're sitting next to each other. They're talking. They're smiling. They, don't, they know each other's thoughts before they think them. They're, 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 they're in love and all this other stuff. But, but after you look at the storyline of their life over the, pr- the previous 50 years, you, st- you will probably see a lot of struggle, a lot of times that they may have wanted to call it quits. They're, they're, what I'm saying is sometimes we see the end of the story or the, the near the end. I'm not gonna go, I shouldn't even say that to you guys. That a lot of the story is over. Uh, that's not even right either, but we'll get there sometime. You guys know what I'm saying. You, you, you see this and you're like, wow, that's so good. You know, sometimes with this church, you know, you you look around at the building. You're like, man, this building's nice. You know, we love the building. And you have, and, and I have had other people come in and say, you got so lucky to be able to build that church. You don't know the previous part of the story. You don't know the struggle part of it. You don't know the the, the waiting part of it. You don't know what it's like to set up and tear down f- uh, for ten plus years of your life of chairs and sound system and children's ministry and have the fire alarms pulled and and have to clean out mice droppings in places. And you don't you. When you only see the end of the story you, and, and only celebrate that, you never see the struggle. You, you look at someone who's successful sometimes, you're like, man, they, they, they are so successful. Blah, blah, blah. And you, you don't know the battles they, they fought to get there. And so what we tend to do individually is we want, in the Bible, we want to hang on to the promises we like, but sometimes we hang on to those promises and not realizing that there's, a, there's another line there. You, you follow me this morning? There's a journey to get to those promises. Let me, let me walk it through this way. The Israelites all were expecting a Messiah. They're still expecting Messiah. They, they, they clearly read the Bible and knew that someone was coming. And they, they had this picture of who he was coming. And then they had all these promises of what this Messiah would do that they held on to. It was going to be a kingdom like no other kingdom. He was going to bring peace. He was, he was going to bring joy. He was going to bring freedom. He was going to bring the nation of Israel to its prominence. He was going to take every other nation and, and kind of separate, you know, free them from those nations. It was going to be a, a kingdom like no other kingdom. They, they were going to be like prosperi- uh, prosperity and, uh, and all. They're, so they're hanging, they're waiting for this Messiah. They're, they're, they're sitting back. They're looking at all the pieces of the puzzle, all the Bethlehem details and and the lineage of David, and they're like, oh, we can't wait for that guy to come. We can't wait for him. And you, you look from Isaiah 40 to, um, to 52, and you get to get the sense of some of these, these prophecies, these predictions of the Messiah, what he was going to do. And, and just so you're aware, there's some pretty cool stuff that the Messiah has done and is going to do. Then we get to Isaiah 53. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it um, I'm gonna read it to you, and we'll stop at different sections. But this is a the biggest piece of the puzzle in my mind of what the Messiah was gonna be like, and this is the one that everyone misses. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. Why don't we walk through uh, piece by piece? He, he's, he's starting off, he's like, the, people don't even believe this. He, he's almost saying years before, they're not even going to understand this, this scripture right here. They're going to skip right over this. And he talks about this, this Messiah coming. He says he's going to grow up 
before him like a tender shoot. He's not going to be wealthy. He's not going to be in a position of power. He's going to be in a very fragile place. In fact, it also says that the root out of dry ground. Like he's going to come from an area that, that is pro- probably poverty stricken. There, there's not going to be much coming out of that area. There's not, not much success, not much of anything positive except for this root. And again, th- this is talking about Jesus. And you'll, you'll see it clearing up as we go through it. It says about Jesus, about the Messiah. He has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. All right, just, th- th- it's, it's putting puzzle pieces together. He's, he's saying, Isaiah is saying, He's not, he's not like Saul, who was chosen as king because he was taller than the rest. He, he's not like some um, actor or actress that's put on the pedestal because they look better than the rest. It's, it's not like the king and queen of England who are put there because they were in, the, they, they were in royalty. They were born in a palace. He has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. That we're not going to be, when he came, he wasn't like someone you'd look at and be like, now there's someone that should be on like Twitter, Twittering a lot of people. That, that, that's not someone that has millions of followers, be like, that, that's who we want. He, it would be someone that would be not so majestic looking. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Do, do you see why the Israelites didn't like this one so much? They're like, skip over that psalm or that, uh, that, that prophecy. What The Messiah was supposed to come and bring rescue. He was supposed to bring the kingdom. This idea that he was going to be reject, despised. And by the way, was Jesus despised? Absolutely. The Pharisees hated him. That's why they tried to kill him. Was he rejected? He, <laughs> When you hear crucify him, crucify him, to me that sounds like a rejection. We want Barabbas. He was, they would rather have a murderer than the Messiah released. He was rejected. Maybe this one will connect with you. He's a man of suffering and familiar with pain. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that God has chosen to bring all things right is a man who understands what suffering is. Can I I just lean into some of your lives right now? Jesus understands where you are. He he is a man of suffering. He's he's walked through suffering, and he is familiar with pain. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You're like, God doesn't understand. God's not on my side. God's not not in this. God, God doesn't care about me. I'm just telling you that Jesus left the throne of heaven, to come down to become a man of suffering, a man of pain, because he wanted to be one of us. Keep going. Like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Okay, do, you, do you see why Israel is so anti this, this um, prophecy? Like the Messiah coming was going to be someone that people, like, my picture is, as you saw him on the cross, like you didn't want to look at that. You didn't want to look at him on the cross. You didn't want to, to see the, 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 the crown of thorns. You didn't want to see the, the blood coming from his hands. Well, if you really saw, you ever watched the Passion of the Christ? And that's not even the real thing. That's an actor. 
You, you, there are times that you're, you're watching the lashes on the, on the Passion of Christ. You're like, all right, that's enough. I get the point. And you, want, you almost want to fast forward. You want to turn away from it. You want, to do, you want to do something. He says, people hid their faces from him. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Now, now we get, you know I love small words and, and transitions. We get into a tr- little transition here. This is why the Messiah came. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Do do you hear the personalness of this? In this prophecy, in as Isaiah speaking, he's like, you know why the Messiah had to come to suffer, why he had to be rejected, why he had to be pierced, why he had to be wounded, why he had to carry our suffering? is because he had to pay the cost of the whole storyline of the Old Testament. All right, so there's, there's two parts of the Old Testament you understand, right? One is the Israelites saying, hey, save us from Babylon. Save us from Assyria. Save us from Egypt. Save us from those circumstances. Save us from from the drought. Say, God, come save us from that. And there's a second storyline that, that the prophets keep pushing on, saying, you need rescue from yourself. You need, you need, you need salvation. You need, you need you, your sin in you, your rebellion in you needs to be, needs to be transformed. You, you need rescue. You, you need someone to come in and take care of the very thing that you're carrying. You need healing, but you don't need physical healing. You need spiritual healing. And he says right here, predicting it hundreds of years before Jesus came, that he would have to be pierced and have to suffer and have to be like God's wrath had to rest on him. Look what it says next. Verse 6. This almost sounds like if you've read Romans, you might, you might connect this to Romans. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned in our own way. Do, do you get what that says? It says, we, we all are running from God. We're all, we're all like, like not wanting him. We, we all think that we want God, but in, in, in our reality is we're all like running our own way, doing our own course, doing our own plan. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We're all turned aside. And the Lord, be, that's, that has a cost to it, and the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. He's paid the penalty for our rebellion. And it keeps going. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. The, the, you know, the picture is, he's standing before Potnus Pilate, and, and, and the Pilate's saying, hey, why should I release you? And Jesus says nothing. It goes on to say, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? You get in the picture here? I hope that you know the story of, of the Gospels, because you can see the picture. Like, where, where are the disciples? Where is anyone saying, hey, he's innocent? Where, where is someone laying out a defense? No one's protesting for him. He's all alone. 
He was assigned a grave with the wicked. There was two thieves, two murderers crucified next to him. And listen to this transition point. And with the rich in his death. Do do you follow what happens here? What this is pointing to? Not only is he assigned with like murderers, but then he's taken to a grave for the rich. And that's exactly what happens. He's he's given a tomb that's freshly cut by by a guy who had some wealth, who wanted to bury him um, correctly. Though he had done no violence, nor any deceit was in his mouth. It is with the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Verse 11 says this, After he has suffered, he will, be, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. It's pointing to the resurrection. It's pointing to, to the, the, the suffering king rising again, seeing the light of life. By his knowledge, my, righteous, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with a strong, because he poured out his life unto death. Do, do, do you see the major picture here? I said, listen, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to have to suffer and die. Any Messiah that comes, that, that says they're the Messiah, hey, I'm coming here to rescue, and who doesn't suffer and die for our iniquity, cannot be the Savior. And then it says this, for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He's like, he's going to take care of it all. Now listen to this. In the New Testament, Jesus comes. And Jesus comes to his disciples, says, hey, disciples, hey, guys, I want you to know, now we're going to turn to Jerusalem, and I'm going to have to suffer. I'll be falsely accused, and I'm going to have to suffer. And all the disciples, especially Peter, says, that's not going to happen. That can't happen. In fact, Jesus says to Peter, says, get behind me, Satan, because you don't understand the things of God. You don't, under- you don't understand that this is predicted. This is, this is going to happen. Like, even the disciples are like, you're wrong, Jesus. That can't happen. You have the nation of Israel coming in, all right? Now, picture this. They have a parade for Jesus, a parade. They have, like, garments thrown on the ground. They have palm branches waving. And they're singing, Hosanna to the son of David, yay! All people lined up the, the streets of Jerusalem. They have them on a donkey. Do, do you see the parade? Everyone's cheering. Yes, our Messiah, our way. He's going to come and he's going to rescue us from the Roman Empire, yay. A week later, he's on the cross. All of them saying, crucify him. They wanted God on their terms. They wanted God's promises without understanding the in-between period. They wanted, they wanted the great parts of the kingdom without understanding that there was, there was some journey to it. They wanted God to show up in their life in a powerful way without his struggle for our life. You know, it's kind of like wanting dessert without the vegetables. It's, it's, it's kind of like... Wanting a great relationship without the tough conversations. It's like wanting to have financial peace without walking through the steps. It's, here's the one. It's like 
wanting a resurrection without a death. Do, do you get that with me this morning? If you want God to show up powerfully in your life, if you're looking at this and you're looking at some of the promises of God, you're like, man, God has some great things for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You know that one? Now to him is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church forever and ever. You know, we have all these promises. God works all things for the good for those who love him. Yay. All these promises. These are great. And I'm, listen, I'm not downplaying that. The promises are great. And they're worth holding on to. They're worth putting out there and saying, oh, God, I can't wait for that. But don't skip the part where we, we and some, Christ had to walk through a journey for us. And sometimes we have to walk through our journey for us, too. Let me say it this way. Christ has died to take away our sins and transgressions. Clearly in Isaiah it says that. Clearly in the Romans, in the book of Romans it says it. But sometimes we struggle with getting the sin out of us. Does that make sense to you this morning? That all, Israel was freed by God. They, they, they were no longer slaves. And yet they went into the desert acting like slaves. It was still there. They were free but they were, they were enslaving themselves. Sometimes, Isaiah 53 is pointing to this Messiah who's going to come, who's going to rescue you, who's going who's to take all your transgressions, all that you owe, ever owed is going to be paid for. And he said, I'm going to lead you to freedom. And those promises are there. But sometimes, we ha- he has to take the, the junk out of us. He has to take the, our, our addictions to the way we know, and he has to transform it. I, I just wonder if some of us coming in this morning are, wa- are praying for God to do something big in your life. You're, you're hanging on to some promise that, that is true. You're, you're waiting for some rescue from a situation. You're, you're you're praying for some person in your life to have their hearts changed. You're, you're praying for some job change or some boss change or so, something to happen out there. And God is, is leaning in this morning saying, all that is good and I will eventually get there in this life or the next. So, you know, maybe, maybe in eternity. But I have come to bring you healing. I, I have come to deal with your sin. I, I have come not to deal with your circumstances all around you, but to deal with you. Maybe the change that Israel had to make was changing from thinking of a national king who's going to make all things right, the president or the, the king, and start thinking of a, a personal king, a personal reign of God in our life. There, there are a lot of scriptures in the, in, that Jesus talks about that t- talk about how we, we pursue him. And, and he's, he starts with saying, come follow me, right? Come, come follow me. Come do a relationship with me. But there comes a point in our, our, our pursuit of God and, and, and our, our following where he says, if you want to come after me, you must take up your cross and follow me. You know, it's almost like this 
two different sides of the coin, right? I mean, like, God promises good for us, and yet he also wants us to take up our cross. And, and my hope this morning is that you're, 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 you're challenged, or, or maybe that you're, you, you change your view, Maybe your pictures are more clear of who Jesus is this morning. And as we enter this, this coming Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday for Christmas, that not only do we celebrate, yes, Jesus has come, the King has come, but we also celebrate the fact that he's, he's come to make us right. And we take all of his promises and all that he wants to do in us, we take it and make it the desire of our heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the scripture in Isaiah is, is one that uh, all of, most of Israel has just kind of skipped over. And sometimes we skip over things that we don't like. God, uh, this, this picture of what's going to happen to me is so clear of what Jesus did. He was he's rejected. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was silent before his accusers. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. All these things point to you, and we, we thank you that you did all this, that it, it is finished, it is done. And so, God, I pray that you bring that healing to our life, you bring us that freedom, that you carry our transgressions, that you pay that debt for us. And as we celebrate this Christmas, we realize all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, 